This is a legacy episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast, originally released as part of the Lesbian Talk Show podcast group. Some references may be obsolete. The show looks at lesbian-relevant themes in history and literature, has interviews and discussions about current historical fiction with queer female characters, including fantastic versions of the past, and presents new original historical fiction for your enjoyment. Today, the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast is delighted to be talking to Elizabeth Tammy, whose debut novel, Outrun the Wind, is coming out at the end of this month. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Elizabeth is currently a college student focused on all things creative and writing related. She blogs about YA fiction, and she's here to talk to us today about her forthcoming novel, Outrun the Wind, which is a mythic historical fantasy based on the classical Greek story of Atalanta. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the book and how you came to write it? Sure. So Outrun the Wind is essentially just a young adult sapphic reimagining of the story of Atalanta from Greek mythology. So growing up, I've always been super into Greek mythology. But before I came to college, I started reading about the story of Atalanta in full. And as captivated as I was by her and her story, I really had a lot of problems with how it ended, how it resolved. (laughs) It felt totally wrong to me, and it just wouldn't leave me alone (laughs) a few months later. And I was like, you know what, I've got to write it the way that I think it must have been or should have been. (laughs) And so then Outrun the Wind was born. So essentially the gist of the story is that after being saved from a pretty dangerous life serving as one of Apollo's oracles, a girl named Kahina is bound to serve the goddess Artemis. But when a routine mission goes awry, she finds her fate intertwined with that of the legendary huntress Atalanta's. They both end up in the city-state of Arcadia, where Atalanta's father is king. Uh, So Atalanta is desperate to avoid marriage, while Kahina is desperate to rejoin Artemis. Together they make some plans to try to reclaim their independence, but then both of the men responsible for both of their dark pasts comes to Arcadia and they have to deal with that. So Uh-huh. So just so that people know what they're getting into, is this a a romance shape of a story? As in you know, do is there a happy ending or would that be a spoiler? <laughs> oh no no, you it's not a big spoiler. They do end up together and happy. Uh-huh. I want to make that clear. Um And while their relationship is definitely a big part of the book, I wouldn't say it follows your typical romance arc. It's definitely also, (laughs) you know, it's a young adult fantasy, so Uh it's got a whole bunch of stuff going on. But yeah. (laughs) Great. How did you get interested in writing uh, historically based fiction in general? Was there some precipitating interest? I guess so. I guess the books that growing up that I just really connected to and loved were sort of in this realm as well. So when I started writing seriously, it felt natural that I would also be doing that. I think mythology has always felt comfortable to me. Uh, You know, growing up, I loved Percy Jackson and all that type (laughs) of stuff. So I I just love the whole, uh, the nature of mythology is really fascinating to me. And I love studying it and writing my own twists on it. And I love doing that. Mm -hmm. So what's the balance in this work between the mythic aspects and the historical aspects? I like to say they go somewhat hand in hand, but obviously there are fantastical things like some monsters and gods and goddesses. But uh, as for the day-to-day life, I tried to do as much research as I could to find out what expectations would be like. It's hard to say because this did take place an awful long time ago before 
the alleged Trojan War would have even taken place, so there's not a whole lot of primary sources for me to deal with, but uh, I, I did as much research as I could, mostly relying on fragments. When it came to Atalanta, I was mostly relying on uh, poetry fragments from writers like Hesiod and Ovid, but yeah, yeah, just a little bit of everything. I did get the chance to study abroad in Greece after I had written the first draft, and that definitely helped going to a bunch of these sites in real life, <laughs> mm-hmm. and tons of museums, and just learning more about mythology helped a ton as I was revising. What are your favorite historical research sources? Not necessarily the most useful, but the ones that just sort of made your heart sing to find them. I loved, loved, loved using the Theoi Project, which is an online database all about Greek mythology, and they basically try to gather all the (laughs) poetry fragments they can for every uh, god, goddess, monster, hero, and compiled into this huge online database. So it's a really great way to find out all the different primary sources and original poetry. So I use that a ton as well. So why lesbians? I mean, why bring that element in to the story? This may be a stupid and obvious question. (laughs) No, no, absolutely. It's something that I felt (laughs) this mythology deserved. It's not always very kind to women. It's dismissive of them a lot. And while I think a lot of recent Greek reimaginings, such as notably the Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller, which I absolutely adore, offers like an exploration of the Iliad from Patroclus's point of view and his romantic relationship with Achilles. And I loved that, but it got me thinking that we really don't have hardly anything like that on the female side. <laughs> and but, so of course, because was, because so much of what comes down to us has been filtered through men's interests and men's yeah, stories. All through the male gaze, 100%. So kind of wanting to <laughs> do my own bit of justice for that on, um, and make myself feel better about the story. Because uh, in the original mythology, Atalanta ends up in most versions, she ends up with Hippomenes or Melanion, which is a guy that essentially uses divine trickery to get her to marry him and that did not sit well with me especially since so much of her character is I don't know just fiercely independent and totally against marrying a man and I was not getting a super straight vibe from her <laughs> yeah <laughs> so many I, so many of the the mythic stories of female heroes always end up with and then we must subjugate her to some man by having him best her by trickery you know and it always felt like it was it was meant to be a moral lesson yeah it did not sit well with me so i guess it was sort of motivated and driven by spite honestly (laughs) but um it was it was just almost like she was talking to me through the mythology somehow i don't know i just felt like that was the way her story needed to be told i felt like it just didn't sit well with me, so I needed to write the version that felt true to me. Uh-huh. I'm always interested in how authors research aspects of gender and sexuality and history for the fiction they're writing. What was your approach on how to portray the character's sexuality in this story with respect to the historic setting? Yeah, this one is extraordinarily hard because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's almost nothing about lesbians written in from the time where this story takes place, and if it is, it's definitely through a male gaze. Um, obviously, a notable exception would be Sappho herself, mm-hmm. <laughs> where we get the term sapphic from, but she would have lived long after Atalanta and Kahina were alive. But I, I did my best trying to see where and when any sort of 
Sapphic Love was mentioned in this general time frame. Unfortunately, like I said, the few sources that I could find were all male, and they were mostly along the lines of saying, like, they were going against the laws of Aphrodite, etc. So I get the impression it wasn't super great, but anyway, I didn't want to focus on that when I was writing Atalanta and Kahina's story. I tried to make it, at its core, feel, you know, genuine and simple for them. There is a bit of confusion they have to work through, because I got the impression that Sapphic love wasn't necessarily something entirely understood or maybe accepted when they were alive, so there's definitely a bit of confusion they have to work through, but at the core, it just felt very... I tried to make it feel as simple and right as possible for each of them, that there was, you know, no other option, and then just to make it feel as real as possible. <laughs> what was the most challenging aspect of writing this book in general? I mean, not, not necessarily mm-hmm. with regard to subject matter, but, but what was your biggest challenge? Uh, the biggest challenge for me was probably writing uh, two separate perspectives, two point of views. That's uh, something hard to do, especially when they're both in first person. I tried a whole bunch of different formats, having it just be from one of the girls' perspectives or in third person, but none of them worked because I think you need both of the girls' perspectives and understandings throughout the story to get the full picture. Uh, So in the end, I wouldn't have written it any other way, but it it definitely is hard to try to create distinct voices, to try to (laughs) follow the storyline when you're switching every chapter to Mm -hmm. one of the girls' different perspectives. But in the end, I'm I'm happy with it, and I think there's no other way that it would have worked. So this is your debut novel. Um, I don't know yeah. whether you have any short fiction published already. No, this is this is it. This, this is, is first. it. And, and you know, if you'll forgive me, you are doing this at a very young age, relatively speaking. Uh, what's it been like? It's been very exciting and terrifying, and just crazy. Um, it's been quite a year. <laughs> it's weird doing this in college because um, I'm still like taking creative writing classes, which is good because I obviously still have plenty to learn and will always be learning. But it is a, it's a bit of a strange dynamic to have <laughs> with my professors and stuff. I, it's been so phenomenal. I, I wrote this, this is the second book I wrote, but the first one that's been published. And I remember promising myself that I would do everything I could to make this be the book that, quote, made it. And um, I'm just very relieved and so excited that it gets to be out in the world this November. And <laughs> I have to pinch myself pretty often. <laughs> yeah, so so it'll probably be coming out right about the time that term papers and final exams oh, are starting to loom on the horizon. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. Other than uh, anticipating the book launch, what else are you working on currently? I mean, obviously, other than college in general. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've got uh, another mythology story in the pipeline. It's Norse-inspired. Um, I can't say a whole lot about it in the, at the moment, but I'm hoping that I will have good news to share in the weeks to come. <laughs> well, maybe the good news will be out by the time the uh, podcast airs, which won't be maybe. for another two months. <laughs> um, yeah, just trying to... I, I definitely like writing in the mythological realm, the fantastical realm. I think it's a cool way to explore human themes but also keep it fun and I just love mythology because it's stories that have been passed down and kept by so many generations and it feels almost like a time machine or (laughs) something connecting us to history so I'm writing in this realm but and I hope I can continue to do so but obviously I'm open to exploring (laughs) other genres as well. 
So you mentioned uh, Percy Jackson stories as one of your, uh, <laughs> if not inspirations, at least touchstones. What other uh, books in in the in the field are you particularly um, fond of? Uh, I'm just absolutely obsessed with uh, Circe and the Song of Achilles, both by Madeline Miller. Uh, she does a fantastic job of. It's just so clear that she is so knowledgeable about the classics, way more than I am. And she writes beautifully, so reminiscent of the original poetry, but also with it is modern enough that it's accessible. And uh, I love her. <laughs> So those are definitely the big two, at least solely mythological-based mm-hmm. books that I've enjoyed. But anything involving, anything that meshes history with fantasy is definitely right up my alley. I just finished up the Crowns Game duology by Evelyn Skye, and that sort of <laughs> takes place in imperialist Russia, but um, it incorporates all sorts of Russian folklore, legends, and it's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> uh-huh. I noticed in your bio that you mentioned uh, you have a blog about YA literature. You want to talk about that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, this is, uh, so I guess in middle school, roughly six years ago, um, I started a Tumblr blog because I was just super excited about all these books that I wanted to come out and I wanted to talk to other readers about them. So I got started doing that, yeah, either end of middle school, right before high school, and I, I just threw myself into it, mostly starting out just, you know, reblogging things, posting predictions and headcanons for my favorite stories at the time. It sort of evolved into a platform where I started reviewing books myself. I got to work with a few publishing houses and authors on blog tours, promotions, reviews, etc. And had a lot of fun getting in touch with that online community. And I learned so much about the publishing industry through that. Uh, which came in handy at about age 16 when I started writing seriously. And there were so many resources, and my followers were so supportive as I started writing, and I was so excited to get to tell them that that Atalanta story I had been working on got a publishing deal, and they've been incredibly sweet and kind and the greatest cheerleaders ever. The writing community is so great about cheering each other on. I love that. So if people wanted to follow you on social media or learn more about your work, where should they find you? Uh, so you can follow me on the Tumblr that I was talking about a little bit ago. Uh, it, the URL is annabethisterrified.tumblr.com. Uh, and then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. If you type in just Elizabeth Tammy, my name, I should pop right up. Okay, I'll put links to those in the show notes so people can find you. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for sharing your time with the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Lesbian Historic Motif podcast. See the show notes for links to people and topics. Most shows will have a transcript linked as well. If you have a book announcement, a topic suggestion, or might like to appear on the show, please drop me an email. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and consider supporting our Patreon 